Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio's Off the Shelf for this Saturday, August the 27th. Oh my goodness, this is the last Saturday in August of 2011 and hoping, hoping, hoping Hurricane Irene just stays out there in the ocean and doesn't decide to come inland on us here in Philadelphia. I want to thank you again for joining us here this morning. As always, it is truly a joy to have you here with us. For those of you who this is your first time tuning in to Off the Shelf, I'd like to introduce myself to you. I'm your host, Denise Turney, again coming to you live from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I encourage you to pick up a copy of Long Walk Up if you like books that motivate and encourage and inspire you, and you also like an entertaining story, you will love Long Walk Up. It's a small book that you can read in just a, and probably one day, but the impact of it will stay with you, perhaps maybe even for the rest of your life. When you read this little girl's story in Long Walk Up and you follow her from her childhood into her adulthood and what she accomplishes in Africa is absolutely amazing. If you don't see it on your bookstore shelf, you can ask the store clerk for it. And they can order a copy for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world, and it's online at at nearly every book retailer online. You can get a copy of Long Walk Up. And I also encourage you to look for my new book, Love Pour Over Me, which should be out either later this year or early next year. And thank you again for your support and for visiting me online at www.chistilchist.com. T-E-L-L dot com. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special guest today is Roxanne Harris. Roxanne is the author of the books, What Every Fat Girl Wants. What a title. And just <laughs> like us, she would absolutely love for you to visit her online at www.roxanneharrisenterprises.com or what everyfatgirlwants.com. What everyfatgirlwants.com is spelled the way it sounds. Roxanne Harris is R-O-X-A-N-N-E-H-A-R-R-I-S enterprises.com. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Roxanne. Thank you. Thank you for having me this morning. Oh, I'm so delighted. I'm so delighted. And in doing the research uh, for your interview, just just the information is there at your website. And I do encourage our listeners, again, to go to RoxanneHarrisEnterprises.com or WhatEveryFatGirlWants.com so they can they can learn even more about you and check you out even further beyond what we'll discuss here today on on your interview. I wanted to begin by asking you, Roxanne, what inspired you to write What Every Fat Girl Wants? Well, I was writing uh, the Just Like Us book, and um, the Holy Spirit prompted me to write the What Every Fat Girl Wants. And um, when I heard the voice of the Lord saying, I said, Lord, now you know people don't buy books with fat on them. And, uh, <laughs> but I did uh, obey, and I did um, write the book and call it that, and uh, I had just a delightful time writing the book, so. Okay. How did you, I mean, the title, how did you, uh, that is, that is, it's a title that definitely will grab somebody's attention because it's almost like you're, da- I want to say almost like daring or what is illustrating the courage that you will say something that a lot of us might think 
but wouldn't say. How did you arrive at that title for for the book? Well, I I am a fat girl. I've been a fat girl um, more than uh, 40 years at least. And uh, I can think of a few times when I wasn't a fat girl, but it was very short. But um, And it just came to me that to write down some... Uh, I believe we just lost Roxanne, uh, and I will just wait for her to dial back in. She was I was asking her, how does she arrive at the title for her book, What Every Fat Girl Wants? And she was beginning to tell us, and she said the book came to her sort of uh, as a prompting uh, from the Holy Spirit just to write a book on this topic. And as I was saying earlier, uh, it's not a topic that you would think uh, somebody would, write about or she was saying uh but she she followed the promptings and she is back. Yeah. Hey Roxanne. Hi. I'm sorry about Hi. that. I'm not sure. No, no, no. Just a little te- a little technical technology. difficulty. Yeah, but we just going to keep it moving. You were telling me how you arrived at the title for your book what every fat girl wants. Well, it was it was a little uh challenging for me to even, you know, put that down on paper like I was saying. I said, "Lord, now you know people that word fat, people just don't want to say that word, but um mm-hmm. it 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 what it is it's not it doesn't define who we are, it's just a part of us, and if we want to learn how to accept our whole us, we have to learn how to accept the flaws, the not so great part of us uh because that all makes up who we you know who we are, our experience as we walk through life is you know, included in our shape, our mental status, you know, how we approach things. It's all a part of who we are. So we have to, if we want to embrace, you know, the true us, we have to embrace the um, all the different parts and aspects of us. So so, so for off-the-shelf listeners, this, uh, what every fat girl wants, this is a work of nonfiction. It's not a fictional story of a woman who is overweight and how the experiences that she has and what she may learn and from these experiences and how she deals with being overweight. This is a nonfiction book, is that correct, Roxanne? Yes, ma'am. It's it's nonfiction and uh the title says what every fat girl wants, but the truth be told, the book is about what every girl wants and how we uh, uh how we journey through life. But I had to have a perspective and as a fat girl, my perspective is from you know, this body that I live in, this fat girl body. And so how I see the world and how I interact with the world, you know, is all in, entailed in that. So it's a, uh, it's a really inter- good book. Did you interview any other – Did you is, is the book based pretty much on your experiences as being uh, physically uh, heavy or was your book based – did you interview other women – who were heavy themselves to get gain a, a broader perspective on this topic, or did you just basically take it from your own personal experiences, which which would suffice? But did you basically take it from your own personal experiences to create the content for the book, or did you go out and interview other women who themselves were physically heavy? No, I did um, just take it from my perspective, and uh, we have some. <clears throat> excuse me, upcoming uh, publications that will uh, 
take it from other people's perspectives as well. Okay. But uh, for the initial book, it is from my perspective, and uh, like I said, I've been a fat girl the majority of my life, and um, so okay. I thought maybe I could. Okay, so without giving the book away, Roxanne, without giving yes, the entire book away, we definitely want to give our off-the-shelf listeners some some glimpse, enough of a glimpse into the book so they'll say, you know, I want to go out and buy that book. So just okay. to, but without we don't want to get a whole book away. So I wanted to ask you though, could you just give us maybe one or two key things? What does every fat girl want? Well, I can tell you right off the top that um, um, when I go to book signings and stuff, and women say, "Oh, I know what every fat girl wants. She wants to be skinny." Well, no, every fat girl does not want to be a skinny girl. That that is one thing that you will not find in the book where I, you know, jump to that conclusion that every fat girl wants to be skinny. Wow. And, no. In the day's culture? No, no, that's good. But in the day's culture, but healthy, healthy, though, you do want to be every healthy. Every fat girl though. wants to be healthy. But for mm-hmm. every fat girl, healthy is not skinny. Right. And so every fat girl does want to be healthy because we want to live long and enjoy our grandkids, our children, our adventures and everything. But that doesn't always mean we want to be a skinny girl. We just want to be the healthier, more fit uh, version of ourselves. Okay. And so one of the chapters in the book um, says uh, what every fat girl wants. And it's it has some comedy in it along with some medicine. So, you know, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. So with a little comedy relief, you are able to digest some truths. So the first chapter says uh, every fat girl wants to cross her legs, which is the truth. Because, um, and I talk about how uh, we see some of our uh, plus-size women on television, how uh, we try to cross the leg, and if you have been a heavy girl or you know of any heavy girls, your mind automatically goes to to see what I'm talking about. We try to cross that leg with um, whether it goes to sleep, whether it goes numb, whether we're in pain, whether we're uncomfortable. We try to cross the leg. And why? Because we have learned over the years that that is what sexy looks like and Ah. that the women, old women cross their legs at the ankles. But young, vivacious women who got it going on cross their legs at the knee. And so whether it hurts, whether it doesn't look good, because if you are heavy and you try to cross that leg, it it doesn't always look attractive because it Mm -hmm. doesn't cross. It doesn't cross right, but we still try to. And so I talk about that with a little, you know, comic comedy. And then I also say, but if that's what you want, then if you move a little, if you walk a little, if you take the stairs instead of the elevator all the time, before you know it, just a little more movement than you normally do will help mm-hmm. you be able to achieve that. Will help wow, you be able okay. To but um, I don't mention any names, but we've all we've all seen. And we have one host who just recently stopped doing her TV show and now has her own network who loved to cross her leg, but it didn't always work. But she that never stopped her trying to cross oh the line. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you don't have I to mean, say your mind's eye, your mind's eye goes to seeing that on television, and she wasn't the only one. 
goo gobble gazillions of us out there. Oh and my. every time I try to cross my leg, I think about what I put in the book. And I giggle to myself because I'm like, yeah, you're still doing it. <laughs> still. Wow. Still so what, what, tell us one, one other thing that you, <laughs> that you listen to the book when you say, what does every fat girl want? Tell us uh, just one other thing before we move forward. I have so many questions that I want to ask you here today. Well, one of the uh, part I talk about is um, one of the last chapters in the book is every fat girl wants to fill her empty spaces. And I talk about the empty space, how God designed us, and uh, he designed this house, this temple, with um, when he, you know, how if you were to design your dream home, you would have a special room for you. And so when God designed us, he designed this special house with a room just for him. And we try to fill it with food, we try to fill it with sex, we try to fill it with shopping and everything. But that empty space can only be filled by God. And um, I talk about how, um, you know, all through life, until we come to that realization, that space will always be empty and we will always try to fill it because we know that it needs to be filled. We just don't, don't always know what it needs to be filled with. And so we try so desperately to fill it with all kinds of different things, work, travel, just a whole myriad of things. But until we get the realization that that is God's space, that empty space is designed just by God for God, and um, then we'll have um, a level of peace that we didn't have through food and sex and money and everything. We try to fill it with yeah, agreed. And he, want, I really believe he wants it all. But I understand what you're saying. How much of a role in today's society, when you look at the magazines, when you look at television, and you see there was a woman I just saw actually a couple of days ago on TV, and she recently passed away, but she was trying to make a point about the modeling industry and how the images that we see, you know, what you see and hear over and over, it's going to impact you. There's just no oh, way, yeah. the way the human mind is created if you see something or hear something enough, it's going to impact you. There's just no way it, it cannot. And and so she, her stance was she thought the modeling industry focused too much on thin. And those women, when we see them in magazines, they might not look super, super thin to us, but if you saw them in person, you'd probably go, wow, some of them are thin. And so she was she became like anorexic. She recently passed, but she would do it like billboard pictures and whatnot, her message was that the 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 theme to be so thin in modeling, she was trying to get the industry to move away from that. But it's still everywhere we turn and when people say so and so really looks good, they have generally lost a lot of weight when somebody mm-hmm. says that. You rarely hear somebody say somebody looks really, really good and the person looks healthy and they look yeah. vibrant but they're heavy. You, you you hardly ever hear that. but Or you might just hear that they have a pretty face. How much of a role do you think in this, in society, in this society, but how much of a role for all of us do you think genes play, not culture, but genes play in our body sizes? Well, it it plays a major role the um the genes and what gets passed down from um through through your lineage. And sometimes we we waste so much energy trying to get away from the body type that we have that we are destined to have. And um if you look down through your lineage, you have a lot of um um heavy weight 
uh, plus size ladies in your family and you struggle your whole life to try to be a size two, then sometimes mm. that's not even in your in your genes to be that small. And so if you try to just be the healthier you that you can be, and we have to learn not to um, let society tell us who we and what we should be, which is very hard to do. I myself am a Christian, and I've been a Christian for uh, quite some time, and I had to learn that um, to value myself and view myself as God sees me and not let society tell me, you know, that I'm not good enough or I don't look a certain way, so therefore I'm an outcast of society. And if we let society, I always say, who are they? They is probably about four or five anorexic women in a room. But um, if we continue to let they tell us that we aren't good enough, we'll always be in a, a struggle. We'll never have peace, and we'll always be trying to get somewhere which is really not attainable. Some of the women in the magazines um, are already thin, and then they airbrush them to look even thinner. So mm-hmm. what is what's wrong with that? Where is where is it going to end? Did you have a, a bag of bones that you paint over, and you know you say that that looks good? <laughs> For real, because some of them are already already so thin, and then you try to airbrush them even thinner. I think there was a big controversy where they had airbrushed Demi Moore, who's already thin. Mm-hmm. and made her her waist look even thinner. Why? And so you have young women who don't know that that's not a real image uh, starving themselves to try to look like something that isn't even real. So mm. um, whatever you that think- girl wants, we have an online magazine where we feature plus-size ladies. And the only women that can be on the cover of our magazine are plus-size uh, women, 18 and, and I, older. I- I see more uh, more more plus size models today than I did uh, uh, years ago. Again, I'm and I'm and I keep pushing that. But you, uh, we also want to be healthy. We don't want to yeah. encourage eating potato chips and tons of macaroni and cheese because that stuff's not good for your heart and well, you, certain you foods are not good for your liver. Yes, we're not encouraging diabetes and bad joints because you got too much weight on your body. Yeah. So nobody and, and exercise. Nobody's encouraging poor health, and I, I want to continue to say that throughout the show. Do you oh, think yeah. we're becoming less of a thin focused culture just because of what we said earlier? We are starting to see plus size models. We're starting to see oh. this. Plus size women are, um, I think. That they're, they've, we've always been here because the majority of society is uh, over size 14, of 12 to 14, they call that plus size in the United States. But um, I believe now they're starting to say, look, this is this is who I am. Whether you accept me or not, this is who I am. I have money and I have, um, you know, position in this world and my money as loud as a six, a size six money. If I don't shop at your store, then uh, I'll make an impact. It's so, uh, just just as much as if I, you know, if my money did shop there. And so you have a whole line of fashion designers who aren't designing these polyester suits uh, for women. They're designing nice, fashionable clothes that aren't up from a size 6 to fit a size 16, they're designed 
for size 16. And so you have women who normally would be behind the camera uh, working a photo shoot. They're now in front of the camera or they're holding the camera so they know exactly what um, picture they want to put out uh, for um, the viewing public. It's not um, uh, a, a new thing. It's just a thing It's coming out from behind the camera now because plus-size women have always been, um, I believe, the majority. And so okay. now we're, we're starting to have a voice and realizing that, you know, we do have a voice. Some of them, you know, have come to the realization that this is what I'm working with. So why should I spend 40 years of my life trying to be something, you know, mm. that I'm not going to be who you, who I am? You also, you talked a little bit earlier about your magazine, What Every Fat Girl Wants. This is a little bit on the marketing side for our off-the-shelf listeners who might have books out themselves or who may have a dream or a hope of one day publishing their own book and then trying to figure out how do I spread the word about my books and, and market and promote my books. Did you set out to create the magazine to complement the book, or was that something that came after you had published the book? The magazine came after we published the book, and I I didn't have any um, – forethought as to um, having this What Every Fat Girl Wants as a brand, and it's become its own brand. We wow. have the magazine. We're having a DVD. We've put that on some shirt. I mean, just it's really just taken on almost like a life of its own. It's standing on its own, my little fat girl. She's doing she's doing good. But, um <laughs> It uh, The magazine is an online magazine for now. In January, we're thinking about making it where you can purchase it offline and they'll, um, through uh, HP Cloud, and they'll send you a copy. But um, we have uh, several different uh, columns in it, and we have a fashion column. We have a, a column, uh, What Men Wish Women Knew About Men. Uh, you go on right to my next question. <laughs> oh my god! Go ahead, though. Go ahead. It's written. It's written by men, and uh, and they just speak frankly about some of the things that um, men wish women knew. One article, I believe, was about motivating your man and how to uh, motivate him to be the best man he could be, and to you know get him to do some stuff that you want him to do. And uh, then we have a um, column on um, hair care written by a, a master stylist out of Arlington, Texas, and a movie review. And just um, I, since we're evolving, I have a, um, if, you know, if you have a reader who wants to have a column and they have something that they want to say, and um, if space allows, we will, you know, have uh, from our viewers, from our readers, a column okay. on that. And, uh, we have, How would uh, they contact you, Roxanne, to get a tip? To, to. Uh, what Every Fat Girl Wants magazine at yahoo.com. It's W-E Fat Girl, W-E-F-G-W magazine at um, yahoo.com. Could you say that just one more time so slowly so if writers or people or listeners are writing it down? It's W-E-F. G.W., What Every Fat Girl Wants, the first letters of that magazine, at yahoo.com. 
Okay, so off the shelf listeners, if you if you're out there and you're saying, how do I get my first works published? Uh, if this is something that interests you, you can contact Roxanne. Roxanne and space permitting, she said, uh, there's no guarantee, but space permitting, you might have uh, an article or commentary about one of the articles, uh, sharing your thoughts. Uh, yeah. Published in what the magazine, what every fat girl wants. In your magazine, and you kind of went to this early, and I'm like, she's leading into my next question. In your magazine, there's an article about what men wish women really knew about men, and yeah. I wanted to ask you just to sh- if you could share, uh, perhaps one to two, because again, I have so many questions I want to ask you. If you could just share one to two things men have told you, or you've heard, or the writers of the magazine have heard. Uh, men say they w- what they wish women really knew about them. Well, one article that'll be in our um, September issue is that yelling doesn't work, ah. and um, that's uh, one of the one of the um, I believe that's the topic of his uh, September article is that yelling doesn't work, and um, one of the other things that he was. Uh, was real about motivating your man and how what motivation and positive uh, speaking really does for a man. You think that you're just, uh, you know, you do it just to stroke his ego, but if you really knew what it did for them and how it made them want to do more of what you want them to do. And um, and I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> like I'm gonna have to use some of these tips on my own. Hook. <laughs> so it's um it's it's really interesting. Written from a man's point of view, I don't um uh, really do a lot of editing for that article because I don't want to put my spin on yes. uh, what okay. he writes. I want it to be really from him. Two women help us in our relationships with men, and not just with our uh, husbands, or but some of these same tips can be used with our sons because there are a lot of women who are raising sons. And uh, women, we can do a lot, but we cannot teach a man how to be a man. And right. so we have to, you know, if we don't have a man in our life, we have to humble ourselves and allow another man that is being a man to teach our sons, you know, how to be a man. We want them to be a true man, not a, you know, a woman's man. Yeah, or, or mommy's. He loves oh, his yeah. mother, but that's just, that. Uh-huh. He's, you know, you can be a good son and you can be a, a, a strong man, and sometimes they're not the same thing. What are some steps that women can take, irregardless of a woman's physical frame, to improve our self-esteem because, I mean, we've made a lot of strides as women. If you look at history books and you go back to the way things used to be, women were really kind of viewed as like cattle and property. Well, they, were, they were worse than cattle. And if you, um, cause I, if you look at the Bible, they, um, they women had a hard way to go. And yeah. until, you know, the they... My pastor in Maryland always say, you know, Jesus loved him some women. He said, well, he's no respecter of person. I said, that's what you say. But I say Jesus loved him some women because he he went so far as even to talk to women when it, people didn't even talk to women back then. When he talked to the woman at the well, the disciples was like, what you talking to her for? She ain't nothing. You know, she yeah. a woman, like on color purple, he said, 
you, you, he pointed out and said, and you a woman, like that was the worst thing, you know, she could be. And so, you remember that part when Danny Glover says that to Oprah? <laughs> yeah, you a woman. I don't remember that scene, but I, I, mean, he I, I said remember. That to, uh, I remember Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was. He was like, that's the worst thing you could be. You 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 could have been anything else, but you, the lowest thing is a woman. And so that's mm. how women were looked at. But uh, we have that commercial that says we've come a long way, baby. We have come a long way. Yeah. And so to be the best us that we need to be, we just have to um, improve on, you know, what the – and I always go back to the Bible because that's what I have to use as my point of reference. Because I can't look at society. Society is so fickle. One day they'll say, you know, um, peanut butter, eat peanut butter, it's good for this. And then the next day, oh, don't eat peanut butter, it causes cancer. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, But the Bible is consistent. The Bible says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and that when God looks on me, he loves what he he loves his handiwork. And so I have to look in the mirror and say, you know what, God made this and all it's, you know, flaws that I think are flaws, you know, I have to look at them and find some beauty in them, not because of what man says, but because of what God says. And so Mm -hmm. when we learn how to measure ourselves up against, I always say, don't measure yourself up against society. Society is a crooked stick. If you try to measure yourself up against it, it, you're always going to look crooked. But if you Mm -hmm. measure yourself up against a true straight uh, stick, which is the word of God, you're always going to come out you know, believe in what God says. He says that I'm great, that I'm I'm his one of his greatest creation. And when I look in the mirror, I have to say that I am one of God's greatest creations, not in a conceited way, but in a confident way that I'm not junk, I'm not disposable. You know, I'm here for a purpose and that I have to find out, you know, what my purpose is. And when I was writing the book, What Every Fat Girl Wants, I never thought that uh, fat <laughs> would be my uh, springboard into my purpose. <laughs> I was wow. always trying to get rid of that. I was always trying yeah. to, you know, but I never knew that, you know. I, so when the books start taking off and different things happen, I said, oh, okay, God, that's why all them hundreds of diets didn't work because I, <laughs> I needed this fat. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I didn't know this fat was going to be important for me. <laughs> wow. When when was the full figure you are doing so much. When was the full figure fashion show? The uh, thick and sassy fashion show. It was, um, I believe, this is August. You are just Ooh, going I think so it was much. Oh my goodness! Well, I wasn't in charge of that. I was a vendor there. It was uh, Tabitha. I can't think of what Tabitha's last name is, but she has a website, thickandsassy.com. And that fashion show, it was it was really nice, and um, I was just I was just amazed that I even found out about it and that I was able to be there and see those women were rocking it, and they had all wow. sizes, all shapes, and different ages. I think the youngest was eighteen, and these some of them were professional models, some of them were just uh, housewives and women who just found out about it and said, you know, I think I can do that. But they well, they all walk in three inch heels. I gave it up for that for walking in three inch heels. Confidence is is yes. very attractive. I'm telling you, confidence is what really I think attracts. You, you know, there used to be a saying, 
nice guys finish last, and I I say no. I think sometimes it's a person who's a maybe feels less confident on the inside, and sometimes we do nice things because our confidence is low, and we almost hoping if I'm nice enough, you'll like me. But confidence is. I've heard men and women say it. That is like one of the number one attractors. I don't care mm-hmm. what you look like, what your size is. People are attracted to confidence. So when you're talking right. about the the fashion show, those women really were walking it because they were confident. That's probably yes, what you were. were feeling. You were feeling their confidence. I wanted to ask you, uh, you've done so much with the book. When was the book published? And what responses have you been receiving from readers about what every fat girl wants? The book was published in March of of this year. And for the most part, we've had some, uh, the majority of the responses have been really positive because, like I said, the the title of the book makes makes you smile and it always makes people giggle because it's, it's like, ooh, I can't believe you said that. You know, and um, but it, for the most part, we've gotten very uh, positive responses. We've had a couple negative responses, but we're able to talk to them. And I don't, you know, fault anybody because everybody has their own point of view. And so, but I just want to know, well, why do you think that way? Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you not to think that way. I just want to know, you know, why you think that way. And one lady, she thought we were being demeaning and that we were, you know, saying negative about uh, fat girls. Oh, okay. I'm like, Connie, I, I would never say anything bad about myself. I said, I'm not writing this from anybody else's perspective, but that of a fat girl. I am a fat girl. All the things that have gone into this book, I know about them personally. I'm not telling you something I read. I'm telling you something that I've lived for over 40 years. And so, um, but for the most part, we've had really positive responses and um, um how the book um, was positioned in the marketplace, we we found a, our, our niche. We found an area and a place where there, um, I think people in this day and time are ready to receive some truths about uh, being overweight and being uh, plus size, if you want to, you know, say. And um, and one of the things I say in the book is that uh, the when I use the word fat, I'm not using it as an acronym for anything. I'm talking about just being fat, being overweight, being plus size, being plump, you know, thick or whatever you want to call it. I'm not saying fat is F P H A T pretty yeah, honest. Right. I'm not saying none of that. I'm just saying fat, you know. And um so and I think the way that the book was structured is um helps people to be able to digest some of the truths in it. Like I was saying, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine. And mm-hmm. with the um, with the truth comes a little comedy. And so while you're still laughing at the comedy part of it, the truth comes to you and you're able to say, you know, that's right. It's, yeah. You know, that, that without, is, that feeling, is. without feeling like you're being attacked. Because then, then right. as soon as we feel like we're being attacked, then we go to defend ourselves. Yeah. We, we are speaking with Roxanne, Roxanne here, Roxanne Harris, the author of What Every Fat Girl Wants and Just Like Us. She is online at RoxanneHarrisEnterprises.com and WhatEveryFatGirlWants.com. She's also the owner of a magazine, also titled What Every Fat Girl Wants. The book launched in March of this year, and so much has happened since then. What was it like, Roxanne, being on a Kim TV show in Philadelphia? 
it was, you know, it's it just I never thought that I would, you know, be doing and and um, talking to some of the people that I've, uh, you know, talked to. But she made me feel, you know, so relaxed, and uh, it was just like having a conversation. Like I'm just, you know, it wasn't so much being on TV. It was just me and her talking, just okay. like me and you, you know, just mm-hmm. talking. You know, I, I try not to think of it like, oh, people all over the place are listening. I'm just, you know, talking to Denise, and we're just talking about, you know, the book and about right. you know, stuff. So it, um, it was it was really uh, a wonderful experience, you know. And I thank God for um, all the stuff that He has, all the doors that He has opened for me. It's still quite unbelievable. It's not like I. Wow. I have gotten used to doing it every day. It's just like, wow. I told my husband, I said, I have a radio interview coming up on Saturday. He was like, yeah. I said, yes. <laughs> so it's just, Things just you know, keep happening. And, and, and being that it just came out in March, uh, mm-hmm. it, it really is is something. And we're going to start talking about your next book, Just Like Us, pretty soon. But I wanted to ask you first, are men appreciating what every fat girl wants as well as women? Are you are you hearing that men are appreciating it equally, or are you finding that most of the its target audience is are, are women? Well, what I found is um, I've had some men who say, you know, I'm going to get that book for my girl. I'm going to get that book for my wife. I think she'll uh, really appreciate it. And so we've had several men who have purchased the book for their um, you know for their wives or girlfriends, not in a uh, negative way, but in a way, you know, she's she's moving on, she's doing some things, and I think this will, you know, help her in her journey kind of way. And okay. Yes, it, um, it, uh, we've had good response from both male and female. When I um, was writing it and before we released it, I um, let my pastor read it, you know. Uh-huh. I, have one, I have one section in there where it talks about every fat girl wants to be sexy. I talk about lingerie. My brother calls it lingerie. I talked about uh, lingerie and this, that, and the other, and mm-hmm. I get nice lingerie and where to PTA meeting. And <laughs> all that. I talk about a lot of funny stuff that you will walk different if you got some nice underwear on. One size fit all stuff. And, uh, it's true. See, now I know why you're laughing. You're not laughing because okay. it's but you laugh because when you think about it, you're like, that's right. I remember when I bought some nice and and how you feel and just nobody knows why you're walking like that in the grocery store, but you know that you feel sexy because you got on some, you know. I I, I talk about Victoria's Secrets in there too that I know what her secret is. That she okay. doesn't like that. That's Victoria's Secret. She does not okay. like that. Because the only thing you can get out of there if you wear over a size, a certain size, is a bottle of perfume. That's it. <laughs> they even think about it, girl. They even look at you when you come in there. May I help you? You know you can't help me. Only over to the perfume section. That's it. Y'all know y'all don't have anything in here. That's what it means. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm oh, one I, when I let my pastor read, I was so excited because he was a man, you know, and I wanted to get his perspective. And then I thought about it. I told my husband, oh, my God, that section in there about the lawn, he, I said, he is going to look at me crazy. 
From now on, he's going to be like, Lord, why did you put these crazy people in my church? But he said he really liked it, and he um, wasn't offended by any part of it, and um, he thought that it was a really uh, truthful book with humor and that he, he just laughed almost till he cried at some parts of it. And so we've had good response from men. I've let other men, you know, read it because I want to know, you know, what they think about it and other Christian leaders because I don't want to be so far off base from uh, what we, you know, propose as Christians. So, mm-hmm. but. Okay. Tell us about Just Like Us. When did you write Just Like Us? And please give our off-the-shelf listeners a little glimpse into what Just Like Us is about. Just Like Us is a Bible study uh, for women. It's a small group uh, Bible study, or you can use it in um, individual study. But uh, it's called Just Like Us, Stories of uh, Courage and Endurance from the Bible. And it uh, talks about some of the women in the Bible. It's called Just Like Us because the women in the Bible were just like us. They just lived in a different time, but they had all the same issues. They had problems with sisters. They had problems with men. They had bad kids. They had, you know, poor housing. They had hard jobs. Everything that we have in this 21st century, they had um, during the Bible times. And so I look at some different uh, dynamics in the Bible, and I talk about how, you know, it's just like us. We talk about uh, Mary and Martha, how they had issues being sisters, how they were different, how they had different uh, perspectives on the same thing that was going on and how one of them saw it one way and the other one saw it the other way. And Mm -hmm. um, we talk about Ruth and Naomi how uh, she allowed an older woman to feed into her, even though their um, relationship really should have been over as daughter-in-law and mother-in-law when the son died. But because of the example that Naomi um, had given, Ruth was able to still hang around. Because in today's society, how many women let their ex-mother-in-law help them find a new husband? Right. Oh my goodness! Yeah, she helped her find a new husband, and still was a part of her life because she was such a good example. She wasn't always a good example because there was time when Ruth, I mean, when Naomi let life get to her, and she says, "Yeah, um, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because I'm pissed off at God." Yeah, she was beat down. Uh, Mm -hmm. She was, life has got to her, situations and stuff get to us. And sometimes we say, look, I don't want nothing to do with the church people. I don't want nothing to do with God. I'm just just doing, it's the truth. I'm just doing my own thing. And, you know, don't don't come around me with that. (laughs) I might use a bit in church, but I really don't want nothing to do with it right now. Right. So the same thing. She had the same issues. And so if we look at the women in the Bible as, um, from that perspective, we will be able to see that if they could overcome their adversities and situations, we can overcome our adversities, and we mm. we can make the same as they did. Yeah, so and we, and the women around us, and the women in in you know you read in autobiographies and biographies of the women around us. I'm thinking of the Harriet Tubmans and the Joan of Arcs and et cetera, oh, yeah. et cetera, who have who have gone through. I mean, so much, and they just kept going. Uh, uh, you also sell jewelry. 
I mean, this, yes. I, so many people I've interviewed here on Off the Shelf. One thing I've come to the conclusion, I heard this quote once, if you want something done, ask a busy person to do it. Because it's generally people who are busy who do so much, and they volunteer and just do this, 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 and get their businesses going. And people who aren't as busy say they don't have enough time. I just don't have enough time or they're always tired. It, it, but you, busy people just can take on so much. Being that you also sell jewelry, I wanted to ask you, the magazine, the jewelry, uh, do you consider yourself to be more of an entrepreneur or more of an, a, a writer? Would you say there's a you have a balance between the two? Well, I I would say more of a entrepreneur because we um, design the jewelry, make some of the jewelry, and um, and I never realized all the stuff that I do because we have a nonprofit that we run as well called Woman to Woman Empowerment where we work with women coming out of incarceration. And I was telling my husband one time when I had to write my biography for um, something, and I was writing the stuff down. I said, oh, my God, if I met this lady, I would want to know who she is. Who is this lady? <laughs> you know, because I never thought of my all the stuff that I do, because when I'm doing the magazine, that's what I'm focused on. When I'm right. doing the jewelry, that's what I'm focused on. And I never think of the whole spectrum of yes. stuff that we do. But when I put it down on paper, I'm like, man, who is yes. this lady? I would want wow. to know her. But, um, and that would probably be for us to do all that. That probably would be for many women if you stopped and looked at how just how much each of us and and men just how much we all are doing. How have your entrepreneurial experiences, Roxanne, helped you as a bookseller? As a bookseller, mm-hmm. it um, it gives me a different avenues to, uh, when I go to different events. I don't just go to uh, book signings. I'm able to go as a vendor. I have a, a different part. There may be somebody else there that is uh, promoting their book, but we have our book and our jewelry, which draws additional ladies, you know, to our um, table. And so mm-hmm. the jewelry has given me um, just a different uh, platform to present uh, our book. We, when we go to uh, events, we usually have a promotion where we have a book and a bracelet for a certain uh, price, which most women like jewelry. And so even if they don't read as much as they like, they still um, come over to our tables. And so it's just given us a different um, platform. Actually, the book and the bracelet idea was my husband's. So oh, okay. I, I have to give him credit. You know, motivating them. I'm motivating them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You also minister at Chosen Generation Fellowship. You mentioned this before. How long have you been ministering to women who are incarcerated, who are just coming out of incarceration? How long have you been doing that? Uh, Woman to Woman Empowerment uh, was established in 98. It started out as a Bible study, and it evolved into um, the uh, nonprofit. We do uh, women's conferences, and uh, we go into the county jails. We're located in Texas, so we go into the Tarrant County Jail and the FMC Carlswell, which is a female federal prison, and uh, we present a program called Empowering Choices. We've been doing it now for probably about 10, 11 years. Wow. uh, We present the program to them. We talk to them about making better choices and that if you want something different, have to do something different, 
and we stress to them about making the time that they have been um, appointed to serve work for them and not let the time work them, but for them to work the time and to be a better person than they were when they came in, be a different and a better person coming out than you were uh, when you came in. And so the program has been really successful. We we work with them while they're incarcerated, and we work with them if they're coming locally back uh, when they come out. And uh, we've had a lot of women be very receptive, and I've seen, you know, just the light go on in people's eyes that I don't have to live this way. I talked to them about not having just a jailhouse Jesus, that I'm going to be saved while I'm in jail and when I get out. You know, we talk, I talked to them about Jesus can work on the outside, just like he can you know, on the inside. And uh, we welcome all faiths of women to come. Even though we're a Christian faith-based program, they don't have to be a Christian to be a part of our group. And so okay, I, okay. If they come to the group and they can hear about Jesus, we do it every Wednesday, then, um, you know, more. I don't tell them if you're not a Christian, you can't come in here. We've had Muslim women. We've had women who've come in with their arm folded, ready to give me a hard time. And, um, but I've seen them move up from the back row to the front row and start inviting mm-hmm. other ladies. Um, you you need to come to Miss Roxanne's class. Miss Roxanne, how can I get in your class? And so I, um, think, I, I welcome them all. I think that is so important, and I thank you for what, you, what you're doing because a lot of times what happens to us later in life is something that is, it's rooted in our childhood, and it's not like we just made a decision to go out and mess up our lives. It's something that happened to us, and where we might not have had the guidance and the support as a child, if somebody steps up and gives that uh, gives us that support, because a lot a lot of us just don't trust that people really have our best interest at heart. But when we see that, then we can respond in positive ways. For people who've been injured a lot, it may take a longer time for them to come to trust you. But if you truly are sincere, then that can happen. And then you can start to make positive strides for us. I thank you for being there uh, and, and doing that. I wanted to ask you, how important do you think meditation Talking that we're talking about incarceration, where you can be incarcerated physically and you can also be incarcerated emotionally or psychologically. But how important do you think meditation is to uh, uh, our, our moving forward? You know, any anybody, if you understand the brain, I would say to anybody, those neurons firing like crazy when you feel fear or anxiety. Meditation helps to slow that down. Just simple right. understanding of the brain. How important do you think it is? to our own inner well-being, that we take some time just to sit still. I think it's very important because, it, and one of the things that we do in the class is I give them uh, positive affirmations to say to themselves because truth be told, some of us get positive affirmations from other people every day. But if you think about it, there is a, a segment of society who nobody says anything nice to all day long. All day, you never hear anything, um, nobody's speaking good of you, or you just never hear it. And so mm-hmm. in, in incarceration is one place where you might never hear. Yeah. You right. have to learn how to say some good things about yourself to yourself. And in a quiet time, in a meditation um, area, you're able to do that. And you would think, well, incarceration, that's not a place to 
but that is a good place because you have you don't have as many distractions as you do on the outside and you are able to go into that cell and sit sometimes and uh you have to make that time uh work for you instead of that time working you and so mm-hmm. you you use it for your benefit. You use it to get closer to God. You use it to get a better understanding of who you are. What makes me tick? Why did I make some of the choices that I have? Be a, be uh, more reflective, and um, it, it, you can be a better person than the person that went in if you if you do those things. And the positive affirmations, the ladies love those. And um, I say, you say it to yourself. Don't always look for somebody else to say it to you. You can you can say it to yourself. You can help yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what you need better than somebody externally. You you know all the ins and outs of what yes. makes you whatever it is. And so right. you pinpoint and highlight those areas and speak positive to yourself. It it, it does work. It does work. Yeah, and, so it is very helpful. Yeah, for any any anybody, I just just oh, yeah. if, you, if you if you study the brain or take a class on how the brain functions and how the neurons speak to each other. When we get fearful or anxious, they just start firing like dominoes going nuts. And the way to calm that down is you just have to get still. It even says it in the scriptures to be still knowing that I'm God. You have to get still and you can your brain neurons will stop going nuts and you will start to feel more relaxed and, and deep breathing. Uh, there's something on the back of the, of the brain um I want to say the thalamus, but I don't know if I'm calling it right. If that doesn't get enough oxygen, that can also cause us to have an anxious uh, reaction. So deep breathing and sitting still. Just study the brain, and you will learn that those things do work. Um, And also moving, like going out for a walk or something. Mm -hmm. What was the process of creating Just Like Us for you as we come down to about the last six minutes of the day show? Um. I just I started, you know, because I've done other Bible studies uh, for women, and so I uh, it came to me. The initial title of the book was going to be uh, "Desperate Housewives of the Bible," and then I looked at all of them weren't housewives, and so and then it came to me to call it "Just Like Us" because as I you know researched and uh, wrote about them, I said these women's just like us, and so that's what I decided to call. Uh, the title of the book, and um, I really, when I when I write, I really enjoy what I write, so sometimes it doesn't seem like work to me, it's just, um, I just have some fun when I write, because when I, one of the ladies that I write about is about Jezebel, I'll call her Jezzy, and um, I write, as I was writing about her, I said, you know, this girl was something, if she had just turned a little, she could have been a bad somebody. But she mm. used her powers for evil, as they say, and not for good. Because <laughs> she had the mm. bad influence over over the over the men in her life, and mm. um, she could have used it to make Ahab such a great man, but she didn't. She used it to uh, cause him much much destruction and cause him his death. But um, oh, uh, so I, okay. I just um, enjoy I enjoy writing and. Um, I'm working on um, uh, what every fat girl wants, guide to nutrition. I'm not telling anybody what to eat and throw food out your refrigerator. I just want to give you, like, some nuggets so that when you think about uh, eating, you think about it in a different way. 
So uh, yeah, because we again, like we said, we want to be healthy. We don't want to encourage yeah. diseases that can get into the genes. You pick up a disease and then you pass it on yeah. down your family line. So yeah. we don't want to encourage un- unhealthiness because we know that diseases can get in the bloodstream and get in the genes, and then you we pass it down and your kids and your grandkids and your great grands and great great grands, and you're gone. And it's a disease that started with one of us and our ancestors. I mean, our, later down the line, our family members are struggling and dealing with it. Where if we took some better, made some better decisions, now we might not have put that in our bloodline. Right. Are your books available in ebook? And, and and do you think it's important, Roxanne, for writers to have both print and ebook versions of their books? I think that's very important uh, to have ebooks because technology is moving towards um, where a lot of more it. people than you think are reading books on uh, e in ebook format. But it is available at smashwords.com. You can get it in the Nook, the Kindle, and um, just a variety of formats. Uh, it is available at Amazon.com and on our website. And um, on our website, we have a um, special for Facebook uh, fans, and you're able to get it at a discounted price. And so we are okay. on Facebook and Twitter. You can Twitter us at Every Fat Girl, and then on Facebook, we're What Every Fat Girl Wants. Okay. Who are some of your favorite writers? As we we have about um, uh, three minutes left, who are some of your favorite I writers? Think, I can't think of the name, uh, but they just made her book into a movie, The Help. Did you see that, or did you read that? I didn't see it, but I've heard about it. I think it's been all oh, over the girl. place. I've heard about it, but it I, is haven't, so, I haven't so read good. it. The movie is excellent, but the book is so much better because she really delves into the lives of the women. I like Toni Morrison, and um, I just have so many uh, writers that I that I like. But I I love to read. I'm I have a niece that moved here with us, and she loves to read. So I'm introducing all these books to her. One of my favorite books is um, oh um, gosh, I can't I can see the title of the book, but I can't even remember it. Oh, a tree grows in Brooklyn. Oh, I read that when I was young. That was good. Uh, I yes, read it when yes. I was young, and I yes. I found it on um, eBay in the audiobook format, and I purchased it. And it is so good just to hear it in audiobook format because you hear all them talking. It feels like you're right there in the house with Francine and all the rest of them. But um, I I do. I'm an avid reader. I remember when I was younger, I would read. I would get a whole section in the library and try to read all the books in that section. But a reading just wow. takes you away. It takes you yes. to places you know, that you may never yes. physically get. But once yes. you get a good book, you feel like you're right in there with them, right a part of everything and you, you know that's going on. So I encourage wow. everybody to find a good book and read it, and, and you'll see that it'll, it'll take you away. So, And I concur. We have had a wonderful show today with Roxanne Harris, we have come to the end of the day show. She is the author of the books, What Every Fat Girl Wants. And just like us, you can check her out online at Roxanne, R-O-X-A-N-N-E, 
H A R R I S Enterprises dot com and what every fat girl wants dot com. She has a magazine, she has jewelry, she is just doing it. If you want to have her speak at one of your events or you want to have her interview her on a television or radio show that you have, you can go to her website, What Every Fat Girl Wants, and reach out to her there. And please be sure to pick up copies of her books, What Every Fat Girl Wants, you can get for yourself or a friend or a family member and just like us. We have so enjoyed you here today, Roxanne. I yes, want to thank I've you so much. I've enjoyed speaking with you as well. For being, here, for being here with us, what a blessing. And for our avid listeners who tune in every week, thank you so much, as always, for your support. And we'll look back. We Next Saturday you can come and check out the shows in the archives. And then the second uh, Saturday in September we'll be back with another live show here at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Look forward to seeing you. Remember, you are so incredibly valued and so truly blessed and so loved and appreciated. Go out and create a marvelous day for yourself. Bye for now. Roxanne, I'll shoot you an email. Okay. Bye-bye.